Lefondre looking to get side of Vaughn. Lefondre away from Davis. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello. Welcome to the Elm Park Royals podcast, supported by Blue Collar Street Food, best street food in Reading and in Berkshire. Three points yesterday, again, for Reading, as we beat Middlesbrough 1-0 at home. Second clean sheet in a week. And to discuss it, I've been joined by George. George, how are you this morning? Elated. And we're really making the SEL a fortress now, aren't we? So, yeah, happy days. Fortress SEL, that's what I love to hear. <laughs> and Eric, you was also popped on this morning to discuss a second win for Reading. Yeah, super, isn't it? And third in the table, you know, you'd have snatched anyone's hand off for that, um, even just a few weeks ago. So brilliant. He's taken my he's taking my talking points already because I was going to discuss <laughs> this later on that we are third. But we'll go we'll go straight into the game. Uh Eric, yesterday we we made two changes to the team. Nesta Guinness Walker coming out an injury. I don't I haven't seen any talk about how long it was, but he seemed to get injured on Wednesday night at the end of the game and Obviously, with Lumley not able to play against Middlesbrough, Dean Bazanis started in goal yesterday. The system change, I guess, meant that Hoyler ended up starting a left wing back yesterday with Yeardon getting his first game at right wing back. What did you think of the the two players who kind of switched positions and Bazanis as well? Yeah, well, actually, I, th- I think that the more important one is Hutchinson making his first appearance. I think that's also good Didn't news. Even- didn't even think of that. I've even got it written down in my notes there. And just completely missed it. Yeah, but obviously good good for him to make his competitive debut. You could tell like he's an experienced championship defender. So first of all, Hutchinson, uh, great to see. I think he had cramp at the end. I don't think he was injured. He came off. Uh, hopefully that's not long lasting. They've got a week to recover now. But I thought, yeah, great to have him in there. A little bit of experience next to Holmes and McIntyre. I think both Holmes and McIntyre look better when they have experienced defenders next to them. So straight away, that's an improvement. And we, we might also be adding further players to that back line in, in the coming weeks, right? So that so that was good. And then beyond that, obviously, Yeardom, very versatile, um, has been one of our better players this season, I think. And actually, I think Hoyler was probably one of the better players in the game last night. I thought Hoyler was excellent at left wing back. So all in all, um, pretty good all round, I think, uh, to, to kind of end that or to round that off. Bazanis uh, did everything that was expected of him and made one really good save um, where he had to ha- hold the ball, the, the player was ready to to tap it in if he had left any kind of rebound. So uh, good good marks all around for I think all the players that came in, and obviously some of the, the changes were enforced. But actually Hutchinson coming back in, uh, I'd expect him to be first choice uh, going forward. Yeah, George, I was quite impressed by Hutchinson for the for the hour that he was on the field. Certainly, and the preseason was very encouraging with him in between McIntyre and Holmes and. As Eric said, the uh, the two younger centre backs certainly look more accomplished once they've got someone in between them who's who's able to organise and give them a bit of uh, knowledge, basically. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, when we uh, made that signing, we the amount of tweets and um, kind of comments we got from Sheffield Wednesday fans wishing they never let him go, um, it's it's showing now, and especially as you say in preseason, the way he commands. That back line um, with his experience, um, he's he's a non he's a no nonsense defender. At the end of the day, I think we saw it a lot yesterday. He wasn't he wasn't afraid to kind of head out of play, knock out of play, just to give the um, back line a bit of organisation and just to get back into shape. 
just give a give us a bit of breathing time. And I think yeah, that really kind of shines through with the uh, the other two youngsters in the in that back three. Yeah, I agree. Certainly, uh, the, the two the two youngsters alongside him benefit a lot from having someone who's that no nonsense player and gives them the opportunity to to be a bit more technical on the ball. Certainly. I think also, like, to add to that, Alex, like, you should actually also give credit to Holmes and McIntyre. I think Holmes especially was immense yesterday. He won everything in the air. Yeah, and I, I, I had Holmes as an unsung hero yesterday. I think he just, he didn't get beaten at all. And his technical ability, like, his passing, he has got a pass in him, certainly, Tom Holmes. I mean, yeah. he's, up, he's up against um, when Matt Crooks came on sec- uh, in the second half. You, It's kind of what you'd expect to lump him up top to try and get that equaliser. Holmes didn't look phased by it at all. He won everything against him. Yeah, I've I've been very impressed with Holmes so far this season. Certainly, I really think only apart from the Rotherham aberration, which I'm not going to mention again. Um, yeah, Holmes has been very very impressive so far this season. Another player who was impressive yesterday, especially in the first half, Eric was Junior Hoyler, and the first chance that we had came for Junior Hoyler after a overhit cross from the right-hand side kind of went all the way through and, and Hoyler did really well to make a chance out of this. Yeah, I mean, he's just got so much technical ability, hasn't he? He can beat a player and uh, he scored a great goal on Wednesday and it was uh, a bit of a better strike and he might have got another one and then he still managed to kind of get a cross sat on the floor, didn't he? So I thought, yeah, overall Hoyler was, was great and actually um, you wonder if, if Guinness Walker will get back into the team if we're kind of fully strengthened, I'd imagine Hutchinson will be first choice, which means probably year on at right back, right? And then you can't really leave Hoyler out the way he's playing. So actually, it's again good problem to have, I suppose. But I don't know what what are your thoughts on it, Alex. I mean, I was really impressed with Hoyler going forward yesterday. That that chance was basically all of his own making. He he wins the ball kind of high up on the left hand side and then beats a man and. Like, it's a good save by the keeper. It would have been a very impressive goal to score from there. But to be honest, I was as you know, as you say, I think it's going to be tough to drop Hoyler if you have Hutchinson playing in that central role, just purely because defensively, especially in the first half, he was actually pretty good. Um, his whole job looks to be don't let a man come outside of you, round behind you, and he just stuck on that left hand side very, very diligently and didn't let anybody anybody go behind him at all I think he had a one poor tackle George towards the end of the first half which he's not a left back so that's probably not that surprising no. I think my views on Hoyler's tackling have been kind of like well well versed on this podcast by this point but um what did you think of Hoyler's first half I mean yeah <clears throat> to be thrown in at left back there obviously not a position he's probably that comfortable in I think he did a, a fantastic job um and to see him get that late yellow card in the in the first half, we know we all know he's got that kind of challenge in him, where he can lunge in um, and pick up silly yellows. Um, but all in all, on the day, he was yeah phenomenal. And I think he's up there with one of our better players this season, alongside the likes of Tom Ince and uh, and yeah players like that. Yeah, certainly. Given he's playing out of position, I, I think he's uh, he's playing very very well. And the first twenty minutes or so, I don't think there was. I mean, that Hoylet chance aside, there wasn't a whole ton of chances. Neither side really were were creating creating lots. But I think I would probably argue Reading maybe were just about on top uh, during the first half an hour, Eric. Um, and then when we got to half an hour in, obviously, the goal comes from, from 
Tyrese Fauna and I mean talk us through this goal because it is a really good goal yeah it was uh, it was a fantastic strike first of all like I think Jeff Henrik did really well in the build-up he sort of got in the way of the defender their left back uh, which meant that the ball made its way across to Yeardom kind of unchallenged and then Yeardom's put a, a cross in that's got headed out it's just missed Hendrik I think it was um, and it's got headed out and he's kind of hit it on the half volley hasn't he and it was just like a it was almost like it's it went sideways, like a real curve on the shot. And I saw that Chris Wilder came out and claimed it could have been offside on Hendrick and uh, Hendrick, sorry. Um, but I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want that to be disallowed. I don't think the keeper's getting anywhere near that uh, fantastic strike. And uh, what a way to get your! I think he said it was his first professional goal. So amazing way to do it. And I think he deserved it. He also played really well. How yeah, old is he, really... by the way? Twenty-two. 22 yeah yeah i was really impressed by fauna yesterday um like as as pauline said afterwards the goal was kind of just deserved really for his for his performance could have easily yeah. given him man of the match yesterday and and george the the goal sort of comes from from nothing really because it, it starts the move starts off with tom mcintyre hitting a ball towards hendrick from his own half and it it, it kind of shows that we the fact that we've got this ability to create something from very little and we don't need to play the ball slowly up up the field and we can be a direct side. Yeah, you're right. It, it does start from what is probably a very hopeful ball from McIntyre to uh, cross the uh, cross the plate to the other side. Um, and I think he's looking at Yids over there. He's got space um, and Yids is just known for his ability to be able to beat a man and get a cross in. Um, and I think that, yeah, just fantastic the way he managed to take it down. It kind of, he sits the cross up and we didn't really have too much aerial ability, I don't think, up front yesterday. I mean, Long's able to make space, so I don't think people would have got, anyone would have got on the end of it. But I think, yeah, Jeff Hendrick, his ability to kind of almost shield, try and shield it and force the error from their centre-back who only headed it out to Fauna. But yeah, what a strike to... Uh, to hit that on the half volley and hit it low as well to get over it and keep it down and get all that power behind it. It's just, yeah, fantastic finish. Yeah, it's a very good technique by Fauna, really. And, I mean, as you say, it's not a very good piece of defending from the borough defender because he's, he's basically headed it straight into a very, very dangerous area. It's given Fauna that opportunity. And the, the one thing, moving on to the remainder of the first half, that I noticed, which I was really pleased to see and really impressed with, was that the pressing that we did employ, especially when Middlesbrough had the ball in their final third and they were playing very short goal kicks for the majority of the game. And Tom Ince, Shane Long, and, and normally it was Jeff Hendrick providing a third man to press. And we basically, George, were forcing Middlesbrough to, to try and put it long into the midfield and let Loom and, and Fauna just clean up in the midfield during that first half. And I, I think it worked really well. I was really kind of impressed by the fact that we seemed to just try and cut off the wing-back options to for Borough. For sure. I mean, we saw it pretty much the whole game. Borough were just playing the side-to-side football along the halfway line a lot of the game, trying to look for that forward pass. But just the ability of Loom to just kind of screen that back um, that back line and cut off any through ball or any ball that was, if they wanted to play the, you know, the tidy pass. I mean, they got in a couple of times, um, but on the majority, it was just not on for them. Um, so, yeah, the, there was force, uh, especially in the second half, to try and go along and kind of force the issue that way or try and get a mistake from one of our players, but just didn't happen. 
Now, Eric, the second half was slightly different. I think Borough really did dominate the second half. This, in my opinion, looks to be not because Reading had necessarily sat back because they wanted to, but you could see it from a lot of the players that the second half was a lot for them and they were dead on their feet. Yeah, I think Inns came out and said that at full time as well after the game. Um, they, they looked tired. I don't think it was uh, by design, like you said, but more importantly, they sat back and defended where it mattered, right? Middlesbrough didn't have that many clear-cut chances. And um, when you have a small squad, when you have a tired squad, it's good to have that ability to adapt. And I think that was kind of some of the point that you were making earlier, earlier, Alex, about cutting out the wing-back options and the way we played in the first half by design. I think that shows an ability from Paul Ince and the staff to actually adjust to uh, different opponents because we played slightly differently than what we did against Blackburn. But um, it obviously suited our... We had a clear game plan and it suited the way we, we played and we were able to still hang on even though as you said, they were dead on their feet, the players, and they, they did really, really look tired. I, I really don't know how Tom Ince kept running. I mean, he was still sprinting in the last minute, which is just unbelievable. But uh, him and Long and, and Hendrik, like you said, they led the line really well. Second half, they were tired, but uh, managed to defend where it mattered. Yeah, Tom Ince is one of those players. You see at the end of every game, the first thing he does when, when the full-time whistle goes, he just collapses onto the floor because he's left 110% just on the on the field every every single match. And yeah, you're, you're not surprised though with his dad managing. Yeah, yeah I think he's, he he knows he's going to get he knows he's going to get absolute like shit if he uh, if he doesn't put in the effort. So I can see why he's doing it, but he's it it massively endears me to him when he's prepared to chase everything like that. I think fans, and, uh, fans love players like that, don't they? They just yeah. give it all. Like people like we used to have Stephen Hunt, who used to be the same. He just used to run from the first minute to the last, and and Noel Hunt as well to some extent. Um, it's very easy to love a player that puts the effort in, even if they don't have all the technical ability all the time. However, Inns has that as well, right? And it just makes me question, like, well, what, why hasn't it worked out at a higher level for him in the past? Because you just see he's got absolutely everything. And maybe it's just a consistency thing or playing in the right system or being surrounded by the right players or it's a maturity thing. But he just looks an all-round phenomenal player and far too far too good to be at our level. I don't, I don't want to say that because he probably is a championship player, but he, he certainly looks uh, looks the real package, doesn't he? Yeah, he certainly looks like a player who should be playing for a team which is higher up the league than, than us potentially. Well, not, not anymore. Moment, <laughs> we've heard, but, and, you know, I think you know what I mean here. Um, George, Shane Long came off after an hour and Lucas Schell came on and I think Lucas Schell is going to get a lot of criticism about his performance yesterday and Probably rightly so, to an extent, because some of his performance yesterday looked lazy, could be kind of thrown at him, and um, just not particularly good yesterday. The The other argument, of course, is that, is he really fully fit? What I mean, what did you think of Zhao's half an hour when he came on? I reckon I would probably have to go with the latter. I think on Wednesday, we saw the good side to his game where he, where he got the goal. Um, so we know he, he can play really well. I think yesterday he probably had a bit of an off day. Um, but I think we have to remember he's, he is coming back from an injury. He's got to get his fitness fully up. Yesterday, I thought he he was looking a bit lazy. I think in those kind of stages of the game where he comes on for yeah the last 20 minutes, you're trying to see out a game, try and 
get a bit good bit of hold up play from him. Uh, it's yeah, did <laughs> didn't look like it was going to happen at all. That really left us on the back foot, to be honest, yeah. for that last half an hour, didn't it? it I'm, Middlesbrough pretty much played the entirety of that last half an hour in our, yeah, you know, in our in our half, didn't they? But for all of Middlesbrough's possession, I think they had seventy three percent or seventy two percent possession yesterday, and they didn't really create a proper good chance on goal, George, until seventy minutes in when they had the uh, set piece and and Daryl Lenahan. Had a had a fruit well almost free header from about six or seven yards and this is a good it's a good stop by by Bazanis this yeah I mean I think he just lost his man I think it was just kind of a good um, attacking play from him he just got ahead of him got a good leap um, I think the header itself I don't think it actually got too much power behind it luckily otherwise that could have easily gone in um, but I think all in all yesterday I think <laughs> there was loads of chance from eighteen seventy one do you know do you know do you know throughout. I think Bazanis looked a, the real deal yesterday, for sure. Um, he's not the tallest of keepers, but he, he still managed to make himself a presence in the air against probably one of the taller sides in the championship in Borough. Um, but yeah, you could hear him as well. He's very vocal, managed to shout a lot to uh, Holmes and McIntyre. Um, I think Bazanis is just one of those. I think he's he's going to be another another Aussie, Aussie wonder keeper for us. I think, Eric, that the time when Bazanis signed, I was a little bit sceptical, let's say. And I, I think a lot of the fans probably were a little bit sceptical of why have we signed another goalkeeper, especially because we'd only just signed Joe Lumley. But I can kind of see the logic of it now. I think Bazanis looks like a very, very solid, capable backup goalkeeper for this level. Yeah, and you think, like, we have Southwood, who last year struggled at times, and Lumley's clearly the number one choice. Um probably proved his worth on Wednesday. Uh, Bazanis played a lot of games for Sutton, which is, yes, a lower a lower league, but he's definitely a capable backup. And I mean, the, the short sleeves, the Aussie, the kicking, what's not to like, right? We, we like one of those. <laughs> There's some similarities to Federici. I wouldn't say that that's similar, but certainly uh, we don't mind an Aussie keeper, certainly if he plays like Feders did. Yeah, well... Uh... If he can, if he can be half as successful as Federici's time here, then that would be fantastic. Let's be honest. Yeah, I look forward to the goal against Cardiff. Upcoming. <laughs> yeah, we'll mark it. We'll mark it down for later in the season. Injury time equaliser for Bazanis. And the the second half, as it wore on, Eric, the last ten minutes or so, I think there was two major moments, maybe three major moments in that last ten minutes. And the first one in the stadium, I had zero idea what was going on here. The cross comes in from the right-hand side and Matt Crooks goes for a diving header. Yeardom is following him in. And the referee points at the spot and I am just baffled. I have no idea how what the referee's pointed at the spot for here. Can you, yeah, can I you think... explain it? I mean, you know you were watching on iFollow, so maybe you had a better view or a replay or something. Yeah, I think Yeardom was grabbing... The player however the cross was miles above him i don't think if he Dom hadn't grabbed him he was getting anywhere near it so i think maybe a little bit of lack of understanding of the game from the ref i just thought it was a shocker uh luckily it was uh it was offside and i know wilder moaned about it after but i mean come on um i, I think yeah does need to be a little bit careful because he was holding him i think um 
So yeah, would would urge him not to do that again because um, I think myself and and Dave Stevens in our group chat, we both had a bit of a heart attack when <laughs> when that happened. I'm I'm sure it was worse in the stadium when you see. I, I didn't realise that Yadam had had a hold of him in all honesty, and uh, that I don't think it was brain. super blatant, but I think there was a little bit of a grab there. Or probably explains it, the referee's decision a little bit more then, because I was baffled <laughs> when I saw him like pointing yeah. at the spot. And yeah, no, I mean, it would have been super harsh because, again, the ball wasn't reachable, I don't think. The cross, I don't think the striker could have got to it, no matter what. So I think that was my biggest gripe with it all. But, um, yeah, luckily it was it was offside. But, yeah, certainly heart attack moments towards the end, and that was the first Yeah, one. And, uh, even Matt Crooks doesn't appeal for it. He looks very surprised when he turns out, <laughs> turns around from on the floor and he's seen the ref give a penalty and he sees them, the middle of players' reactions. And they look absolutely delighted with the fact that they've managed to get some kind of a decision which doesn't really make a lot of sense. And yeah. thankfully, as you say, it was given offside and there was a, I think, yeah, big collective sigh of relief in the stadium. Yeah, I George, think Andy Williams came out after the game and actually praised the ref, said he thought the ref had had a great game. Um, but I actually, on that decision alone, I don't think it was necessarily the case. Although we have had some proper shockers this season and perhaps uh, that aside, he wasn't too bad. Yeah, I'd say that aside, I think he was okay yesterday. I can't think of any major decision which I can like pinpoint and say that was really odd. The only one I would, I was a bit surprised that Bazanis got booked for time wasting. I'm not really sure he was wasting that much time. But he was walking up to the ball. The only other one was um, uh, the tackle on Hoylet in the first few minutes. I thought that was quite a rough tackle, and that should have probably been a booking. Probably would have been later in the game. I was quite surprised if that had been later in the game. I think that would have been a yellow card, certainly, because it was should have been. It was quite quite a heavy tackle for for what was only the second minute of the game. George, the moment really, which I think will uh, live long in the memory of of a, a young defender, <laughs> is one where you managed to put a block in, which is going to win your team the match. And John Clark got that yesterday because. The block for his the block that he made with what was it two minutes to go in in regular time I think um, from from Hop's shot was fantastic and it just comes out of absolutely nowhere this block. I mean, how that hasn't made the highlight reel even is is uh, unbelievable for a player that young to come on in in a game like that where your kind of back is up against the wall kind of crosses being peppered at your at your goal and just, you just throw yourself in front of a shot like that. I mean, I think it was destined to go in. I think if if he hadn't, um, and the way he just throws himself at it is, yeah, I do his uh, confidence a world of good. And I've actually thought when he came on, he was just full of running. I mean, he had that um, one run forward. Um, I think he lost the ball actually, but he ran after it alongside Matt Crooks. And I think in a kind of a, a, a one-on-one like that, you'd expect Matt Crooks to kind of use his physicality to win that, but he showed one. Yeah, I think he won a free kick at the end of that run, and that run yeah. really highlighted to me. I was like, "Oh wow, he really is only 18." I can see yeah. see it. Look how small he looks compared to Crooks. He just looks like an absolute baby. It's you wouldn't have thought he was a centre back, could you? The stature he is as well. Because I mean, he's obviously 18. He's probably still developing and things, but he he's yeah, quite slight and quite short for a centre back. Um, it probably yeah. the way actually T Mac was when he first um, kind of broke into the team. I think it has the same sort of stature. Um, yeah, I don't actually think like he was on by design either, right? It was a necessity no, when Hutchinson came off. Yeah. I don't think Ince wanted to put him on. So actually, to come on under that amount of pressure, 
with a team under that amount of pressure, he deserves uh, deserves a lot of credit. And yeah, he's going to be raw. He probably makes some mistakes along the way, but that block uh, won us the three points, two points yeah. gained just from that block alone. So fantastic. Yeah, certainly, that was that was a it was such a massive block. And I think the the fact that he's what he's eighteen and a half, not even eighteen and a half. He's he only turned eighteen early this year, and he was I think he was playing for. Well, he was in Port Vale's under-18s last year and he was playing for Stockport Town. Not Stockport County, but Stockport Town, who are uh, playing in like the ninth tier, I want to say. it's wow. I think it's two two leagues below the Conference North. God, wow. He was playing for them as a 16-year-old in 2020. And uh, the fact that he's now, you know, playing in the Championship and looking reasonable and not like going to put him as a not going to go on and necessarily be a starter next week or anything but he definitely looks like a, a good addition to the squad and I can see why he's getting on the field when he when he is the last moment there was one more chance Eric for for Middlesbrough very very late on and there was a header from I don't actually know who got the header but the header came the header came from about four or five yards out and Bozanis it's a very easy claim for Bozanis this and Overall, what did you actually think of Middlesbrough? Because I was distinctly unimpressed by a team which has bought, a, you know, bought a lot of players this summer, meant to have been really hyped up before the summer, and they looked so blunt. Yeah, I think this is um, same with Blackburn, right? I expected more from both, in all honesty. But yeah, Middlesbrough with Chris Wilder, with his sort of pedigree, what he did with Sheffield United, you you'd expect more. Uh, from a Middlesbrough side who, like you say, have spent a bit of money. So I, I was super unimpressed. And it's it's just such a weird... We were sort of... George and I were discussing before this, this recording that it's such a random championship. Anybody can beat anybody. And sides that you think might be really good are struggling and sides that you think might be less good are doing quite well. I, I think I'll put us in that category. We were tipped for relegation by many Uh Hello, second tier pod. Um, so hopefully we can keep proving people wrong. Yeah, I think uh, definitely us and us and Rotherham are going to cause some teams down the bottom some issues if if we keep picking up points because there's going to be some some teams like Huddersfield and Bristol City who would not have expected there to be these open relegation spots necessarily, George. And that if if Reading can, you know, I'm not. Sure, we're going to necessarily go on and storm the league and finish in the playoffs. But if we can keep picking up points on a fairly regular basis like this against teams in the who are expected to finish, you know, in the top ten, relegation feels like it, it shouldn't be as much of a worry potentially as as people were making out pre-season. Yeah, I mean, I think Eric's nailed it on there. It's just such a topsy turvy start to the championship for all teams. Um, and you look at the teams who we've picked up points against, Blackburn, uh, Middlesbrough today, it, all these teams are expected to probably finish in the top 10 at least, even the playoff places. Um, and then we then we uh, drop points against those who will be, or ex- who are expecting to be down there with us. Um, it's, yeah, massively underrated. I think it's just how kind of competitive the championship is. Um, and to, I think it, if we can kind of keep this momentum going now for the next few weeks, keep picking up these little points. I mean, I know we've got Millwall next week. That'll be a, a good test, I think, to to see where the kind of team is after another week off. Um, but 
yeah, you just don't know where the points are going to come from. As you look at each game, it can come from absolutely anywhere. Thankfully, so far, nine points out of nine from home games, which I think it's the first time for 15 years or so that we've we've won our opening three home games. And hopefully this does drive a couple more people back to the stadium because that's been what's lacking in recent years is wins at home. It's been miserable. I think I looked up a stat yesterday, which was the, the season that Stam's second season, we won five games at home all season. And so far we've won three and it's not even the end of August. So... Yeah, it's a cracking start to the season, especially for home matches. As yeah, George think, said, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, Alex, key to that, right, is the change in formation from Paulins to five at the back. We've conceded one goal at home so far. That is massive compared to what we to what we were doing last year. And we've scored six, which is also good. But actually, just to concede one goal, if you don't concede, you don't lose. And that's that's certainly what, what the difference is that I can see so far. And I think one of the other things which maybe has gone a little bit under the radar so far is we actually haven't conceded a goal yet in the second half either. And for all of um, the kind of, you know, ridicule perhaps of Paul Lins, the fact that we've not conceded a goal in the second half, I, I can't really remember in the first five games any times that I thought, oh, we, we should have conceded in today's game in the second half. Like, there's been big chances, but there's not been a, a game where I feel like we've been absolutely battered in the second half and and a team has just should have been nailed on to score and it feels like there's some there's some good kind of in play in match adaptation george uh going on from from the team and from paul lintz and his staff well i think that's the big difference i think you look over the summer the all the changes in the backroom staff and so some of these those coaches who have returned, like Eddie, um, I think that one season I remember under Mark Bowen when he um, had it, I think that season we actually looked pretty solid defensively too. Um, and I think these are really starting to come to the forefront now of where the team is kind of showing that kind of defensive prowess again. Because I think last season we were just absolutely dreadful from from a defensive point of view. I think set pieces, we were just absolutely um, kind of hanging our heads at everyone we got, thinking, oh, God, we're going to concede here. Um, but I think the yeah the difference has been there for all to see, and I think that's just a huge credit to Paul Lentz and his team. And the fact that we've already got two clean sheets is a, is a is a really positive start because we only got six last year all season, yeah. so we're already on two. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure we're necessarily going to get a clean sheet every week, but hopefully a few more than six this season. Next weekend, Eric, we're playing against Millwall, as George said, away from home. Millwall are. They are they are kind of the epitome of a reasonably good mid-table side in this league, and they have been for a few years now. So I think it's going to be a good kind of testing point for where we are as a, as a squad at the moment. We should, maybe, fingers crossed, potentially have more reinforcements by next weekend. Who knows? We've been saying that for about a month, though, so who knows if it's actually going to happen. But maybe Naby Sar will be here next weekend and potentially, potentially a left-back, maybe Baba Rahman if rumours are to be believed. What do you think the score will be next weekend? And do you reckon any of these new signings, if they sign, will come into the first team? I think I don't think they'll come straight in. It depends on the fitness of Hutchinson, I would say. Um, uh, and or whether he wants to keep playing Junior Hoyler at left wing back. But I think Junior Hoyler played really well yesterday. Um, Millwall's going to be tricky. They've won two games, their two home games so far. Um, they're famously quite good at the den 
So I don't think it's going to be super easy. And obviously, we've seen our away form so far has been, I think we did okay at Blackpool and we were a bit unlucky, but obviously didn't didn't pick up any points. And then Rotherham was a disaster. So who knows? <laughs> it's a complete lottery. Uh, I just hope for everybody's sake, Alex, that you're not going. Um, so, yeah, are you? <laughs> it's okay. Millwall's in the south. It's, I'm not jinxed in the south of the country. It's only the north of the country we don't win when I watch it. So. <laughs> right. George, okay. what do you reckon the score will be next weekend? Oh, I mean, I watched Millwall on Friday night when they uh, they lost to Norwich, but I actually thought they played very well. Um, and they are that kind of good team that kind of goes under the radar a little bit. Um, I'm going to sneak us in for a one-all draw. I think if Naby, I think if Naby, because he has been training with the uh, with the team, if he does get confirmed this week, I can probably see him starting, probably just to freshen it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, remains to be seen. I guess it it will it will partly depend on what Hutchinson's uh, cramp yeah. from yesterday comes out as whether it's a you know whether it's something he needs a week off or, or whether it's something he can come back into training on on Monday or Tuesday for. We'll we'll wait and, wait and see on that one. If you've enjoyed today's podcast and you're enjoying the season so far, drop us a subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast because we're basically on all of them. Uh, drop us a five-star review. Be very nice. Eric and George, five-star guests, probably deserve a five-star review. Both of you, thank you very much for joining me this morning. And we will be back at some point during the week with a preview from Jacob for the Millwall game and we will be back after that Sunday with a review until then enjoy your week everybody and come on you ours